Welcome to the 3 Indie Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. You can find the podcast at 3 Indie Pod. As always, we are part of the Grizzly Bear Blues Network of Podcasts. You can find us online at grizzlybearblues.com. Find us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Make sure you check out the other podcasts, the Starting Five, the Core Four, and GBB Live. Joining me as always, Mr. Benjamin P. Hogan. How are you, sir? Doing all right, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Season's over, getting some rest. Uh, now getting ready for baseball season to crank up. <laughs> Staying busy. Staying busy, man. All right. I'm going to introduce our guests. I wrote something up for him. You ready for it, Ben? <laughs> he is one half of a very odd couple. He's a member of the Knights Court. He's been the PA for the Grizz at the FedEx Forum. He's been on the sidelines. He is the creator of Shoes Day Tuesday. He's a man of many hats, or you would probably say many shoes. He has his own very cult following. He is the leader, the idol, the god of Fish Nation, Mr. Rob Fisher. <laughs> How are you guys doing, man? I like doing that. <laughs> We're good. Thanks for coming on. A lot of on. titles there, Fish. Yeah. I wear a lot of hats or a lot of shoes, I guess. Yeah, you do, man. Like I'm sitting here looking in your Twitter tagline. You've got like five different employers. <laughs> Keeps me busy, which is good. I'd like I'm, to be busy. I'm sure. All right. Well, first I'm going to get into it with uh, this season's way different than it's been before. You guys are not traveling with the team. I know you're halfway done with the season, Fish, but is it still kind of weird that you're just staying at FedEx Forum for all the games? Uh, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I, I guess we're as used to it as you can be at this point, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it makes the job harder. Uh, you don't realize how much information you get, just how much of a feel for the team you get. Travel, uh, you know, being on the bus with the guys, being on the plane, with the guys being in the hotel, just uh, seeing them before the games and, um, you know, talking to them on the floor before the games start and, and then being in, for me, being in the huddle and uh, seeing how things go. And, you know, it's, um, it's been weird. Uh, it's, it's especially weird when there are road games and there, we're in an empty FedEx forum and the lights are down and we're the only people in the whole building and uh, calling a game off television. It's extremely weird. But, you know, it is what it is right now. And hopefully this is uh, the only season that will be like this. Working with Eric, I know that you and him would go out on the town sometimes when you were visiting. Uh, what's the city you miss visiting the most this season? Like, what's your favorite city to visit and one that you're just really missing this year? Probably San Francisco. Um, it's a beautiful city. Uh, the food is amazing. Uh, there are a lot of great places to eat, um, a lot of great places to hang out. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a fun city. And um, being on the West Coast is always great because, uh, you know, you just – you get to see all the games. You know, games started like yeah. 4 o'clock. <laughs> you go out at 4 o'clock and you can watch games until midnight, you know, and uh, you see everything. And it's um, – it, it, that's, that's my favorite city because it's my favorite food. And, um, and going to games in, at Old Oracle Arena was a special place to go. And the, the new arena is beautiful. And, um, it's, it's just a neat place. I, I, I love San Francisco probably the most. New York uh, certainly is, is one that I miss a lot as well. There are a lot of 
I mean, I mean, hell, I miss right now, to be honest with you. But, uh, there, are, there are a lot of them that I miss and a lot of games that when we're playing and we're watching it on TV like everybody else, that you just really wish that you were there for sure. So, Rob, tell me um, your thoughts on Mike Conley getting the all-star nod this year and, and getting in the game, scoring a point, and really taking Steph to the limit in the three-point shootout. Like, how special is that for, for him and for all you guys that have been around him? Uh, just kind of talk about that. I think it's certainly special for him. Um, you, you know, he, uh, he he's had a great career, and he's been very close to being an all-star. And for years, it was just a matter of the numbers in the West. It just it never worked out for him. And he's had years where he's played like an all-star, but, you know, not the flashy guy, just a guy who's just always really solid. And it's really cool to see him having the year that he's having, considering last year was was really a struggle for him, uh, adapting to the new system, adapting to a new team, a new city, uh, and and he didn't look himself. Uh, but this year, uh, to see him contributing and to see him be as big of a part of that team as he is, it was well deserved, well earned. I know he's very happy about it. I, I'm I'm sure he's he's very proud of the moment and knows it was a long time coming and. I thought it was pretty cool to see the reaction of Memphis fans and uh, on Twitter and, you know, the respect that he still has in this city and always be regarded as one of our own that, uh, you know, I, I think it was a great, great announcement for Memphis uh, that to see him be able to shine. And, you know, you feel like that Memphis was represented a little bit and even on the broadcast, how much they talked about the great things he did in Memphis and, you know, unfortunately never ended up in an all-star game while he was Grizzly, but uh, well-deserved. I, I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, you know, I always tell people I, I've been doing this in the media business for 30 years now, and there are two guys that I always point to as my favorite guys that I've covered in my career, and that's Kurt Warner and Mike Conley, uh, just two guys who are genuinely good people and just great people and win lose good game bad game whatever they always talk they're always polite uh they're always respectful and uh guys that i admire greatly so uh i, I was happy to see uh happy to see mike uh, get get the honor that he got because it's a uh, well served and it couldn't happen to a better guy yeah i agree 100 i know i got really excited when i saw it on twitter and my wife's like what are you what are you freaking out about and i'm like mike conley just got named an all-star and she follows his wife, Mary, on Instagram and, and loves her. And so she's gotten to see a little bit of Mike through that. And she was really excited for him, too. Um, so I, it, it is cool. It seems like Memphis fans were almost more happy for him than Utah fans were. Um, but they've only had him for a year and a half. And, you know, we had so long with him. Um, so we're definitely all happy for him. Um, you know, Ben mentioned earlier that it's, it's just a weird season. Um, and we're halfway through, and the Grizzlies are at a 500 record without Jaron Jackson Jr. ever suiting up, uh, missing games with uh, Ja for a little while with his ankle, and then Winslow coming in the last couple of weeks. What's your takeaway from this first half of the season um, and what this team has been able to do? I think the hope was just to stay above water, and that was knowing that Jaron was going to be out and Justice was going to be out. And then when you lost Ja, it was just a uh, hope to survive uh, in, until Ja would come back. And then he came back and, and, you know, now you look at the team through this first half and to be at 500, I don't, I don't know if it's 
I don't know how much overachieved, but definitely didn't underachieve. Um, maybe it achieved is, is where we would put the Grizzlies in this first half. I, I, I'm happy where they're at. I, you know, I, I think to be in that 7 to 10 range in the Western is what I kind of expected when the season began. And uh, for them to be there at the first half mark without having Jaron Jackson yet, with just getting Justin Justice Winslow back, without having John Morant for eight of 32 games. I mean, that's a fourth of the season so far. Uh, I, I think they're in a pretty good spot uh, because I would expect, you know, to have the record at 16 and 16, uh, you know, I, I would expect the second half of the season with Ja now in the rotation, with Justice now being in the rotation, with the team being relatively healthy, at least as healthy as they've been all season long, I would accept the, expect the second half of the season to be better than what they were in the first half. And I, I think if you're at 500 at the end of the season, you're going to be in that 7 to 10 mix. Uh, a couple games over 500, you could be seven close. A couple games over 500, you're going to be closer to seven. A couple games below 500, you'll be closer to 10. Uh, so I, I, I think being around 500 is good. And if the Grizzlies can just stay around 500, steal some games, get a little winning streak here, and, and, and maybe get above that 500 mark, you know, it's weird when you look at that first half of the season. Grizzlies had a seven-game win streak, and then they had two two-game win streaks. And that's it. That, that's the longest win streaks they have of the season, other than that seven-gamer was a two-gamer. I'd like to see a three-game win streak, a win four out of five, uh, a win five out of seven. You know, just have a nice stretch where you can kind of pad yourself to get above 500 and then play 500 from there. Uh, and, and I think the Grizzlies would be in I think they're in really good shape now. And if Jaron can get back anytime, uh, I, I think they'd be in, a, in great shape. Well, with the Grizzlies at the All-Star break, do you kind of feel like the All-Star break came at the wrong time for the Grizzlies? Because it felt like they got a win over a Washington team that's pretty good. I mean, they, they'd won seven of nine. They beat some good teams. And then they take Milwaukee all the way to the end. Kind of felt like the Grizzlies were getting something going there. And then the All-Star break comes and kind of puts a halt to it. Do you think that they're carrying the momentum after the All-Star break? Do you think this might just stop it a little? It's going to take them a few games to get going again. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the, the, the positive for it is the last time they had a long break, they came back and they walloped the Spurs two games in a row. So, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this team really rides momentum or rides tough games. They're truly a game-by-game sort of team uh, where each game is its own entity and its own battle. And, and, and I think they've kind of proven that. And I think that's a good thing that, you know, the, the old phrase in basketball or in all sports, really, you don't get too high after wins. You don't get too low after losses. And I think the Grizzlies truly embody that, that they don't get too high and they don't get too low. So I, I, I think they'll be okay. Um, did it come at a bad time? Maybe it came at a bad time. I mean, maybe you'd like it a little bit later where the second half of the season's more of a sprint uh, than truly, you know, 40 games in 65 days or 68 days, whatever it is. Uh, it, it's going to be very difficult. So maybe it'd be better if it was more of a sprint and there were only 30 games left as opposed to 40. Um, but they're young. They're, they're going to be okay. And Brevin Knight says it all the time, and I agree with them. Players would much rather play games than practice. And there's no time for practice in the second half of the season. It's going to be all about playing games. And they're young. 
they should be fine. I don't think they'll use it as an excuse. I'm certainly not going to use it as an excuse. You know, it, it was uh, that two-game losing streak when lost to Phoenix and Dallas and got crushed. People were saying, boy, it looks like they need the break. They look like they're out of gas. Well, what were they out of gas for? They had a they had a two-week break in the first half of the season because the team was parked because of COVID. So I, I don't I don't buy that they're tired. I, I won't buy it in the second half of the season. You just got to go out and play. And nobody's schedule is really easy in the second half of the season. Theirs might be a little more difficult than a lot of teams, but nobody's is really easy. Although I was looking at the schedule a little earlier, and you look at the teams around them. Oklahoma City, they have a game at Oklahoma City, and they have one at home against OKC. Um, who else is right behind? Is New Orleans. They have one game with New Orleans. It's at home. They have two games with Dallas. They're both at home. Um, they have three games with Golden State. Two of them are at home. So the teams that are around the Grizzlies, all of the games with the exception of one at Golden State and one at Oklahoma City, they're all at home. Now, the Grizzlies need to be a lot better at home than they were in the first half. They weren't a very good home team. They were a better road team than they were at home. So, and I know a lot of that has to do this year with COVID, that there's really no home court advantage, really, uh, like you can see in the past. But, but they need to be better on their home floor, and hopefully that will happen here in the second half. That injury report drops tomorrow, Rob. Are we going to see Jaron Jackson Jr. as questionable, or is he going to be out? I'd be surprised if he's questionable. I, I expect him to be out. Um, I, I don't know anything. I, I don't – I mean, we've been pretty much in the dark. Uh, and, again, around the team this year, not being at shoot-arounds, not being at practices, being in the huddle, not being around the guys, I really don't know. Uh, and, and we're not really told anything. Uh, we haven't gotten an update on him other than, you know, it's soon, it's soon, it's soon. And I think our hope and our expectation was it's going to be after the All-Star break. But I, I'd be surprised if, if, it's, if it's in the next week. It, it would surprise me. Well, that doesn't help my prediction that I had, that he was going to be <laughs> back on Wednesday. Oh, man. Yeah, so, I, again, I don't know. I, I, I'd love to see it, and, and I guess it wouldn't shock me, uh, but it would surprise me a little bit if he's back right away. So when he does come back, how in the world does this rotation shape up? I don't know. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, who's going to go to the bench because you, you'll have Jaw. I, I mean, I guess, I guess Kyle can move to the three. You have Ja, Dylan, Kyle, uh, Jaron, and Jonas, I guess, is it, what you would go with at this point because I can't – for what Kyle Anderson's done for the team this year and what he's become, I can't imagine deciding to put him on the bench. That, that, would, that would surprise me. Now, I guess the question now after that would be, is Justice Winslow ever going to be in the starting lineup? If he were to go in the starting lineup, then what do you do? Who's the guy that goes to the bench? And I don't know. I, I don't. I don't have an answer to that. I, if I had to guess, I guess it would be Kyle. Uh, would be the one that would go to the starting or go to the bench. I, I, I would be surprised if it was Dylan Brooks. Uh, and I don't think it's Jonas. I don't think it's Ja, of course. Uh, so I, I, I guess it would be Kyle. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a, it's a good problem to have, and it's a problem that I'm glad I don't have to deal with. I, I well, agree. Speak, 
I think with, yeah. with uh, like the, the backing up with the guards, like DeAnthony and Grayson and Desmond Bain, where are you going to find a minutes for those guys if, right. if Kyle and has to move to the wing and you got Justice on the wing and you've got Tillman backing up Valanchunas or does he get bumped and Clark slides over to the five and then Winslow or Anderson are the backup four? Like he's got 12 to 13 guys that he can play in the rotation – and he's, we've seen that he's not afraid to go 11 deep, but that still leaves one or two guys out. Right, which, again, is a great problem. I mean, we saw it, you know, last week when, when DeAnthony Melton was the odd man out, and then look what he's done since he's come back. I mean, he's been lights out. So, yeah, those are tough decisions a coach is going to have to make. And, uh, again, I think it's good that you have those tough decisions. And going back to the schedule, the way the schedule is in the second half, you're going to need that depth. You're going to need everybody, uh, you know, able to go. And guys will have to get some nights off. And when they do, you'll have the depth to replace those guys. And so I, so I think it's good. It's a good problem to have for the Grizzlies. I think I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens when Jaron comes back and how the lineup changes and how the bench rotation changes and, you know, who's the next odd man out. I mean, if DeAnthony Melton's an odd man out, who's the next odd man out? Is it Xavier Tillman suddenly? becomes an odd man out who's been so solid for the team this year. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens and and who earns those minutes. You know, Taylor Jenkins has said it from the moment he's been the head coach of the Grizzlies. Guys will earn their minutes. And he's been true to that. You know, if guys are playing well, he'll ride them. And uh, and you got to earn your minutes. And I I think that's going to be good. It'll make for good competition. Uh, when they do have an opportunity to practice, and it'll make for good competition on knowing that you better get it done because if not, there's somebody right behind you that can replace you. It seems like with the Grizzlies' depth, there's always questions about trading guys away. Like you have too many in a position, you know, maybe package Grayson or Dylan or somebody with uh, Gorgie and try and get somebody else that can fit into the rotation. Do you think the Grizzlies may just stand pat at the trade deadline or wait until Jaron comes back to see how everything goes? Or do you think they make a big move? Whatever they do wouldn't surprise me because they've been known to do it. Um, whether whether <laughs> it's draft night or whether it's trade deadline, they've, they've been very active. I don't think the Grizzlies as an organization are going out shopping guys, but I think they'll answer their phone. Um, you know, and if it's a move that they feel – can help for the long term, I, I think it's something they would explore. To me, there are two guys that are untradeable. That's it. And everybody else, if the right deal is offered, I, I think they would listen. Uh, so because I think they're more in listening mode than, you know, shop mode, I, I think it, 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 I, I would guess it'll be pretty quiet. You know, maybe they can find a home for Gorgie Jang, and, and maybe a team would like to take him on. The team that needs a little more depth with a big and a big that can step outside, knock down a three. And, I mean, Gorgie, when, when given the minutes, he still can produce. He can still be a guy to get you a double-double. There's just – it's a numbers crunch with this team. So, he, he's just – and he's not part of the future, let's be honest. So, I think if they can find a place for him, uh, maybe that's a move that you might see. But – other than that, I'd be surprised if there's anything major just because I don't think they're actively seeking, but they'll definitely answer the phone if somebody calls. Well, you're around the team way more than either of us are. So what's the general feeling around that franchise like this year? 
Is it, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, they miss out on the playoffs, they're back, or is it just part of the process of growing with this young core? I think it's part of the process. I think, I think it, it's the, the most disappointing thing about last season was not being able to finish it out because I, I think that would, would have been a great experience for this young team, you know, to go where the entire last month of the season were going to be meaningful games as you played as the number eight seed at the time. And to go through that experience and uh, potentially to go into a playoff and to get that experience could have been great for this team in the future. I think the experience with Portland last year still a good experience, but I, I, you didn't really get that full playoff experience just because it was over so quick. You know, it was eight games, nine games, and then it was over. And it just it, – it, it didn't feel real because of everything that was going on around it. So I, I, th I think that was, uh, that was disappointing about last season. But, you know, if they learned anything from the bubble, hopefully it can show up this season at the end, you know, that last month games do matter when they are playing teams around them in the standings and, you know, and, and playoffs are on the line. So I, I think those things are, it's not a playoff or bust. I don't think year, I think it's just part of the growing process. And right now I, I think they're showing real growth being around 500. And now you're going to have these final 40 games that do matter. I mean, you're right there in the middle in the mix. So these games will matter. Now, if they fold and they don't make that 7 to 10 bunch, well, that, that's part of the growing pains and part of the process. But uh, I, I believe that they will be there. I, I think they will be in the play-in situation, whether it's 7 or not 8, 9, or 10. I think in that mix. And it's going to be a great experience for them. And hopefully advance to the playoffs this time around. I, I think that's all hope. And, but I, I don't know what goals are. I think the goals, anyone from the organization would tell you the same thing. The goal is to just get better. The goal is to just continue to improve during this process and to go forward. Um, so I, I don't think there's an end goal for this season per se, but, you know, just continuing to make progress. And if they do that, well, then it, it'll shake out the way that you hope it will, and that'll be the playoffs. Yeah, I, that kind of goes with what I want to ask you next. This might be a shorter answer for you. What's the one thing you say to watch for in the second half of the season with this team? Well, Jaron coming back uh, certainly is, is something to watch for. Uh, look forward to that day. Um, like I said earlier, I think playing better at home uh, would, would be, you know, great to see because they have been so good on the road. Just more consistency. Uh, you know, that's, that's a coach's nightmare uh, when you have one game one night that you, you look like you can beat anybody in the league and then you have another game the next night you can't hit a shot and you lose by 30 to Dallas. I mean, um, it's that inconsistency. It's amazing that the Grizzlies, with a 500 record, went nine straight games where – was it nine or was it more than that? Where they had – the games were decided by more than nine points. Um, and it was a long stretch. It was like one of the longest stretches. I think it was it 18 games. Maybe? Yeah, I think it was 18, 18 games where th they were decided by more than nine points. I mean, that's, that's crazy because <laughs> yeah. with a 500 record, that means for you and against you. I mean, so you're blowing teams out or you're getting crushed. So 
just to find a little more consistency, a little more middle ground, I think is the one thing that I'd like to see in the second half. How well, it's funny that Go ahead, they threw man. out that stat hey, the day of the Milwaukee game. Yeah. And that came down to the final final buzzer. Like they did it out that day, and I'm like, well, that's all you need to do is to get them a uh, a close game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. In Milwaukee, I think it was like margin of uh, margin of games, the margin in all of the games played, whether win or lose, Memphis and Milwaukee are like four and five all time. It's like 15 points a game is the margin. And again, if you're a 500 team, that means you're getting blown out a lot of games, but you're blowing people out a lot of games. So you just like to see that somewhere more in the middle, I guess. So how sustainable is John Morant scoring at that rate going forward? I'm mean, obviously not 35 points a game, but being the leading scorer in the upper 20s, you think that's something that he can continue to do? Or is that something that we're just going to kind of get here and there? No, I, I think it's sustainable. I think it's something that he can do consistently for a couple of reasons. One, his ability to get to the basket. Um, his, his ability to go with the left hand without it ever touching the right hand and outstretching. I mean, he did it to Giannis the other night. And if you can, if you can get something past Giannis, I mean, with his length, that's pretty impressive stuff. So I, I think with his ability to get to the basket, with his ability to learn the game more and more month by month to where now he creates the floater a little bit more, and on the nights where he shoots the little 10-footer from the elbow, um, he knocks those down. So finding his place on the floor that he can score, I think he can do that. And I think he can do it rather easily. You know, and once he continues to improve as a three-point shooter, he's not going to be as miserable as the last couple of weeks have shown. He's just not. I mean, he'll, he'll progress to the mean at some point. And it, the mean is, is well above where he's been here lately. And I think year by year and offseason by offseason, he'll continue to improve that shot. They're giving it to him now. It's wide open. So I think he continues to improve with the long distance and everything short, whether it's at the basket, whether it's at the elbow, he can score. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's a 20-point-a-night guy um, with the ability to go for 40, the ability to go for 35. But uh, I think consistently, when you look over an average of a season, uh, you know, low 20s, I, I think is very easily done for job. So uh, you uh, you do host a show called The Odds Couple. And I know I've seen you talk about uh, Drake college basketball. I know earlier on in the season, they were uh, unstoppable on the uh, on the cover. They covered, I mean, I rode them for a while as well. Do you have a team heading into March Madness? that uh, you feel like you can ride? <laughs> well, if, if Drake makes it, and if they get their two best players back, I, uh, I, I still like that. I mean, 25-4 and four this season, they were 23-4 and four against the spread. That's un- um So, yeah, I'll, I'll still ride Drake come postseason time. Uh, I think Houston's been a very good cover team, with the exception of Sunday against the Tigers. They didn't get it done, but they've been a very good cover team. Uh, Boise State's been a pretty good cover team this year. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to wait till it shakes out because the, the, there aren't a lot of teams that are always on my radar 
but Baylor's a team on my radar. Drake's a team on my radar. And, um, yeah, th- those, are, those are probably the biggest two. And Houston, those three have been yeah. great. Very profitable for me this year. <laughs> so we, we do a, a little segment at the end of every episode called Bet the Bear, where we just talk about the Grizzlies' upcoming week with, and betting this, the possible spread of, their, of the money lines. And it seems like this team is almost impossible to bet because in your mind, you're like, they can win any game they play. Right. Uh, like the Houston, the, the Houston game that they got rocked. I just, I was confident in taking them that game. Um, and they blew my parlay. They were the one that didn't hit on my parlay. It's just like, you don't bet with your heart, but it just seems like this team is so unpredictable with the spread. Um, have you, have you felt the same way about this team when it comes to betting this year? That game against Milwaukee the other night was one of the first times this season, and the first one I can remember in a long time, where they lost but covered the spread. It's pretty much been, you know, if they win, they cover. If they lose, they don't. And, and that's, that's kind of been the thing all season with the Grizzlies. And it goes back to what we were talking about with, you know, the games having, you know, margins of 15 points. It's, it's not like you're an underdog and you're – and you're covering, but you're losing the game. Most of the times when they've won or when they've covered as a dog, it's because they've won the game. They haven't lost many games that they've actually covered other than this Milwaukee game the other night. It's weird, too, because they've been a really good under team most of the season with a stretch there in the middle where they went seven straight hitting the over, nine of 12 where they hit the over, but now they're back to hitting the under night in and night out. And it's it's weird, but I, I think you're right. They're they're almost difficult to predict because it's all about whether or not they're making shots. And, you know, some nights they hit their shots and they shoot 50%. Other nights they don't and they shoot 39%. Some nights their defense is great and they allow 39%. Other nights their defense is good, but they still allow 50% shooting. So it's it, the over-under really tough to tackle, I think, with the Grizzlies this year. As far as covering the spread, if you think they're going to win, pick the Grizzlies against the number. If you think they're going to lose, pick the other team against the number. That's kind of been the trend this year. You got your snacks ready for this uh, sprint, second-half sprint? I do. I do. I just, uh, I just got a big box of unique pretzels uh, sent to me, and uh, I got about eight to ten bags that are ready to go for this uh, stretch for sure. <laughs> and uh, – I got one more thing. Uh, both Justin and I are new to this fatherhood thing. Do you have any advice for us? I would say don't buy Christmas gifts yet. Let everybody <laughs> – and don't, and don't buy clothes. Everybody else will buy the clothes. Clothes, they get too small, too fast. And although they're cute and the shoes, little shoes are cool, they're awesome, <laughs> don't fall for it. Let, let, let everybody else buy them clothes. Let everybody else buy them that stuff because, yeah, it, it's, it, that's a waste. And then at Christmas, let everybody else buy them stuff. You can wait about three, four years before you even need to buy them a Christmas gift. That's good advice. Write, I'm, yeah, I'm going to write that down. I like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Rob, uh, I want to say thank you for coming on. And I, I kind of want to say something. Uh, to you about the the time that I met you um, when I first started trying to do sports journalism as a senior in high school I reached out to a local Memphis media member who was not so kind to me about trying to um, get into the business and then I met you 
Um, the only time I've ever gotten to cover a game as media uh, in Orlando, the night that Jonas Valanciunas uh, had his career high in rebounding, almost broke the record for the franchise, and, and Chandler Parsons had a really good game. Uh, Tyler Dorsey, I think, is that was a Tyler Dorsey game that night. And I sat next to you on the baseline, um, and you were so kind um, and, and helpful, and it was one of the more enjoyable experiences that I ever have had in my life. Um, and I just want to say thank you uh, for that uh, experience uh, because I was a deer in headlights <laughs> doing all that. Um, and I, I want to say thank you for one more thing. Your, your article last month, um, about mental health. Um, my battle with depression uh, took place in about 2017, 2018. And I got, I got to the point where I was telling myself, you know, nobody would notice if I was gone, nobody would care. Um, and me seeking help actually led me to finding my wife um, and having my son. Um, and it seems like people think it's wrong for men to confess something like that. Um, we have to be manly. We have to hide our feelings and all those kind of things. And it's not okay for us to struggle with those things. So I want to thank you for, as somebody that has a platform that you do for speaking out um, and who knows who you've, who you've helped by doing that. So I, I appreciate that from somebody that's experienced what you have. Well, thank you. That means a lot. And the support means a lot. And, it's um it's been overwhelming. I mean the the reaction and the people who have shared their stories with me and the people who have come out and I, I mean the thing that that's hit me the most are, are the people who have just told me that it helped them realize that they're not alone and that that was kind of the point of the whole thing to let people know that they're not alone and it's okay and um and it's okay to talk about and I I think that that's hit home with a lot of people so. It's uh, the, the support's been great. The action's been amazing and everybody's sharing their stories. And, and I'm glad so many people have read it. And I'm glad so many people have said that it, uh, it meant a lot to them uh, because that's, that's what I wanted to do. If I could have helped just one person, it would have been worth it for me. But uh, just from the reaction I've gotten, I, I know it's helped people. So uh, hopefully, you know, it's a, it's a step in ending the stigma you mentioned yeah it's it's kind of taboo to talk about but hopefully it's ending the stigma of thinking it's taboo to talk about and people can open up about it because when you open up about it you feel a lot better and when you open up about it knowing that there are other people going through what you're going through uh and to find those people to to talk to about it uh can really make a difference as well so thank you very much i appreciate it yeah ben anything you want to throw in there at the end uh, I appreciate you coming on with us, Fish. You know, uh, you've always been great to me. Anytime I'd see you at Grizzly Games, you're always real. And, you know, at 56, I always enjoyed working with you. And, uh, you know, it's always fun watching you on the broadcast. So I really appreciate you taking time out and uh, coming on with us. You guys got it, man. I enjoyed it anytime. Yeah, man, you're one of the best at what you do. The Grizzlies are blessed, man. Hasselton and Pranica and, and you and Brevin, like – Y'all kill it, the coverage. Uh, we, are, we are definitely lucky to get to watch you guys on a nightly basis. Yeah, and we, well, we enjoy working together, and, and I think that it shows how we get along and how we are friends, and, you know, we're all a, a family, and, and it's, uh, I, I think it shows on the air, which, you know, we try to have – we try to entertain and try to inform at the same time, and I, I, think, we, I think we've gotten the hang of it through the years. So – Hopefully there are a lot more years to come too. 
Yeah, hopefully. Anything you want to add before we hop out of here, Rob? No, man. Just watch the second half of the season. Let's get Jaron back. Go make, uh, Go Tigers. I'll be rooting for the Tigers in the American Athletic Conference tournament this week. Uh, so hopefully they'll have some success and we can have a big week in Hoop City. Grizzlies get a couple of wins out of the break. Tigers get a couple of wins down in Fort Worth. And we go into next weekend. Next weekend is a lot more exciting and on the happy end than opposed to this past weekend. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I need, the, I need the Rebels to make a run through the SEC tournament so they can get their bid too. There you go. I'm, I'll, I'll root for that too. Go Rebs. <laughs> go Rebs. All right, Fish, for real, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know you're, you're busy with your family over this break. Um, look forward to hearing you the rest of the season. Uh, ben, as always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, try to find your rest. You're, I know yours is a little bit younger than mine. Um, but for Ben, for Rob, this has been another episode of the 3 and D Podcast. 